take your Bibles tonight and turn to Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15. We'll begin reading in verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, you're welcome to use the pew Bible in front of you. Immediately in the morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council, and they bound Jesus, led him away, and delivered him to Pilate. Then Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered and said to him, It is as you say. And the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Then Pilate asked him again, saying, Do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you. But Jesus still answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Now at the feast he was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, whomever they requested. And there was one named Barabbas who was chained with his fellow rebels. They had committed murder in the rebellion. Then the multitude, crying aloud, began to ask him to do just as he had always done for them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd so that he should rather release Barabbas to them. Pilate answered and said to them again, What then do you want me to do with him whom you call the king of the Jews? So they cried out again, Crucify him. Then Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them, and he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. Then the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium. And they called together the whole garrison, and they clothed him with purple. And they twisted a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they struck him on the head with a reed, and spat on him, and bowing the knee, they worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took the purple off him, put his own clothes on him, and led him out to crucify him. Then they compelled a certain man, Simon a Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus, as he was coming out of the country and passing by to bear his cross. And they brought him to the place, Golgotha, which is translated place of a skull. Then they gave him wine mingled with myrrh to drink, but he did not take it. And when they crucified him, they divided his garments, casting lots for them to determine what every man should take. Now it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the inscription of his accusation was written above, The King of the Jews. With him they also crucified two robbers, one on his right and the other on his left. So the scripture was fulfilled, which says, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also mocking among themselves with the scribes said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross, that we may see and believe. Even those who were crucified with him reviled him. Now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood by when they heard that said, 
Look, he is calling for Elijah. Then someone ran and filled a sponge full of sour wine, put it on a reed, and offered it to him to drink, saying, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, Truly this man was the Son of God. There were also women looking on from afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the Less, and of Joses and Salome, who also followed him and ministered to him when he was in Galilee, and many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. Now when evening had come, because it was the preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent council member who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, coming and taking courage, went into Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate marveled that he was already dead, and summoning the centurion, he asked him if he had been dead for some time. So when he found out from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph. Then he bought fine linen, took him down, and wrapped him in the linen. And he laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out of the rock, and rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. And Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joses observed where he was laid. I would like to speak to you just for a few moments this evening on the subject, what Jesus could not do. What Jesus could not do. And I imagine that some of you, when I mention that title, are a little bit taken aback. And you're probably thinking to yourselves, well, we believe Jesus is the Son of God, and there is nothing that he could not do. He could do anything, right? Right. But I maintain tonight that there are a couple of things that Jesus could not do. I'm going to talk about one tonight, and if you join us for Easter Sunday, I'm going to talk about another one uh, Sunday morning. There is a couple of things he couldn't do. And I'm not trying to be cute or coy tonight. I'm not trying to play games here. I believe with all my heart that Jesus was and is the Son of God and God the Son. Without question. I believe wholeheartedly the words of John who said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was talking about Jesus there. I believe without question that Jesus was in the beginning with God. I believe the words of Jesus Christ who said to Philip in John chapter 14, Have I been with you so long? And yet you have not known me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. I believe he was and is the Son of God. I believe the words of the Apostle Paul who said, in Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I do not believe Jesus was a Son of God. As some uh, false religions teach today, he was and is the son of God. He is God himself. As Christians, we must get that right. That is not something we can compromise on. He was and is the son of God. More than once, the question is asked in the Bible, is there anything too hard for God? And of course, the answer is everywhere in scripture. No, nothing is too hard for God. God can do anything. So therefore, if we believe that Jesus Christ is God, is anything too hard for Jesus Christ? And the answer must be no. And yet I still say, I still say, there are a couple of things he could not do. 
Let's think about it just for a minute tonight. He could do a lot of amazing things. Amazing things. The uh, Bible tells me in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38 that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. He did amazing things. And when I think about that, I think about all the miracles that Jesus wrought. Amazing. You know, I, I did a little research trying to, trying to pin down how many miracles Jesus actually worked in the Bible, and I found that there is some disagreement. Isn't that amazing? There's some disagreement about the number of miracles. Some people would say 34, some say 37. It just depends on what you count as miraculous. But let's say 30 plus. 30 plus miracles Jesus is credited with in Scripture. Some of his miracles demonstrate that he had amazing control over both nature and creation. Miracles like the calming of the storm. Can you imagine? Can you imagine having been in the boat with the disciples out on the sea when the wind was boisterous and they went to him in absolute terror and he stood up and he said, Be quiet! Stop! Can you imagine? Miracle. Miracles like the feeding of 5,000 from a handful of bread and fish. I could not feed this crowd with a handful of bread and fish. Jesus fed 5,000 plus. Most scholars believe a lot more than just 5,000 were in that crowd. And if that wasn't enough, he did it again. He was shortly thereafter and fed 4,000 plus again with a handful of bread and fish. He walked on water in the midst of a storm. Walked on water. I don't think anybody here could do that. One time he directed a coin into the water. Then he directed a fish to go and slurp that coin. And then he directed Peter to go and drop a hook in the water. And then he directed that fish to bite that hook so that Peter could pull it out and take the coin out of his mouth and go pay his taxes. We don't talk about that miracle very often, but that one amazes me. Think about all the pieces that had to be there. Jesus Miracles demonstrated he had control over nature, control over creation. Another time he directed a huge school of fish into the nets of the disciples. Uh, a school of fish so big it threatened to swamp their boat. And then just last week on Palm Sunday we were talking about the fact that he walked by a fig tree one day and didn't see any figs on it. And he said, let no figs grow on you ever again. Just a word. <laughs> Withered right out. Right there in front of him. Of course his very first recorded miracle was he turned water into wine with just a word. So Jesus could do amazing things, could he not? He could do amazing things. His miracles show that he had power over creation, power over nature. There was no part of nature, no part of creation he did not demonstrate control over. He could do anything. He could do anything. Some of his miracles involved miraculous healings. People with leprosy were healed. We don't know much about leprosy these days. We don't think much about it. It was a terrible thing in their day. Terrible skin disease that had uh, health ramifications, but even social ramifications. It was terrible. To be diagnosed with leprosy was a life-changing event. It, people were healed and made clean. The mentally ill and the demon-possessed were given their right minds. Blind men could see. Speechless men could speak. Lame men could leap. One time a woman with internal bleeding walked up behind Jesus and thought, you know, I'm just going to touch him. I don't even need to bother and she just reached out a finger and just touched the hem of his garment. And she was made whole of the internal bleeding that was wrecking her life. He healed everywhere he went. He could do anything. He could do anything. Some of his miracles even involved the most amazing of things. That is raising a dead person to life again. That's 
that's, that, that's just beyond the norm. We might go to, uh, I don't know, some charlottes and healers or something and see some kind of, 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 of examples of some of these other things, I suppose, but not this one. Not this one. God said one time, I kill and I make alive. Only God could heal. I mean, only God could raise somebody to life. And Jesus did. He raised Jairus' daughter. He raised the widow of Nain's son. He famously raised Lazarus from the dead after his decomposing body had been in the grave for four days. He could do amazing things. And of course, his greatest miracle, his greatest miracle of all, was when he himself stepped out of the grave. But I'm getting ahead of myself there because we'll talk about that one Sunday. No, Jesus could do amazing things. And some of you sitting here tonight would probably like to just jump up and say, you know what, it didn't stop back in the first century. Jesus still does amazing things today. And people in this room could probably talk about how he has done miraculous things in your life. I could talk about how he's done miraculous things in mine. The fact is, Jesus could and can do anything. In his day, people were amazed at what they saw. They were all amazed, Mark said, glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion. They were astonished with a great astonishment, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered, and were beyond measure astonished, saying, he had done all things well. I love the way Mark struggles so to describe just how amazed they were. They were amazingly amazed. They were amazingly astonished beyond measure, because that is what Jesus did in front of people. He astonished them. He could do anything. And John, in his gospel, points out that the paltry little list of 30-plus miracles that we have recorded in our Bible, well, that's just the beginning of the story. Because John said this in John chapter 21, verse 25, he said, There were also many other things Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. Jesus can do amazing things. Jesus can do anything. Oh, but let's go back to my premise for tonight. Didn't I say there's something Jesus can't do? I do believe there's something Jesus could not do. And we read about it. Did you pick it up when we read about it? Look with me at uh, verse number 27, and if you're still there in Mark chapter 15. And let's notice something that I would suggest to you Jesus could not do. Chapter 15, verse number 27. We'll just read a few of these verses again. With him, they also crucified two robbers, one on his right and the other on his left. So the scripture was fulfilled, which says, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also mocking among themselves with the scribes said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. Even those who were crucified with him reviled him. What was the thing Jesus could not do? He could not come down from the cross. He could not come down from the cross. Save yourself. Come down from the cross. Verse number 30. He saved others. Himself he cannot save. Verse number 31. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. Verse 32. That was something he could not do. He had come to save. And the cross was the only way to accomplish that mission. He had come to redeem. And the cross, only the cross, could do that. He had come to wash away the sins of his people, and nothing but the blood could wash away that sin. He couldn't come down from that cross until his mission was accomplished. 
until our salvation was won. And that meant staying on that cross until the bitter end. You understand, right, that there was no other way. There was no other way. It is simply not true what we hear today that there are many ways. It is simply not true that all religions teach the same thing and all religions lead to the same place and all roads lead to the same God. It's simply not true. Look at Jesus hanging on that cross, bloodied, beaten, screaming out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And say, why in the world would he do that if there was another way? There was no other way. It was the only way. He said in John 14 and verse number 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. I'm sure I'm not alone in this. This time of year, I, I tend to think about the Easter story a lot. Of course, I have to speak about it, and so I, I th- think about it for that reason. But even if I didn't, this time of year tends to make me go to those passages of Scripture and think about what's going on. And there's some amazing scenes. Gethsemane is an amazing scene. As I think about the, that horrible, that horrible, I don't know, picture that I get in my mind of Jesus praying there, wrestling so fiercely in prayer, is there any other way? You hear him say that. You see the, the blood oozing from his pores. He's wrestling in prayer so, so fervently. But the answer is no. There is no other way. My sins demanded hell. On him the judgment fell. No other way. You see, Jesus could not come down from the cross. I know it's not politically correct to say that Jesus is the only way, but on Good Friday, when we think about these things, how can we not? How can we not say it? He is the only way. The cross was the only way. The Bible says it over and over. It says, I am the door. The door. The door. The only way. The only way. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. John chapter 8 and verse 24. If you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. First Timothy chapter 2. There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. There was no other way. There was only the cross. It's because of the cross that the writer to Hebrews could refer to Jesus as not only the author of our faith, but also its finisher. It's because of the cross that we can have forgiveness and cleansing of all of our sin. It is the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin, John said. All because of the cross. All because Jesus did not do that one thing that he could not do. He could not come down from that cross and save us. In just a moment, we're going to observe the Lord's table. And we're going to do things a little bit differently this evening than we normally do on a Sunday morning. As soon as I finish here, which will be just in a moment, I'm going to have a word of prayer. We're going to show just a very brief video. And this video is this story told from the perspective of the thief on the cross. So we want you to watch that video. And when that concludes, Brother Phil and I will take our places up here. And we'll invite anybody who wants to take communion today uh, to just come to the front. Have a seat on these front rows. We'll start with the folks who are already here. And uh, 
will serve you, and then you can leave at that point. You can either take the communion here, you can take it back to your seat, that's fine. But once you have finished with communion, you're free to go, the service is over. And I would ask that you maintain silence, quiet, respect those who are still getting communion up here. That's the way we'll do it. You know, it's important, is it not, to understand that even though Jesus could do anything, even though he is the Son of God and God the Son with all that beats, there was this one thing he could not do. He could not come down from the cross. Save yourself and come down from the cross. I cannot, says Jesus. I love you too much for that. I can't come down. Save yourself and come down from the cross. I cannot, says Jesus. I came to save you from your sins, and this is the only way. Two other men hung with him, alongside of him, on that hill. One of them was just as confused about this as everybody else. One of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you were the Christ, save yourself and us. He, like so many, didn't get it, but the other one did. The other one did. He said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You see, Jesus could not come down. He could not come down and save himself from the cross because he was too busy saving you and saving me on the cross.